Well, good morning, everybody. People must be sleeping in this morning. We were at a conference all week in North Carolina, and the funny part is, like, so I don't know, there was 3,500 people or 4,000 people, and, like, so exactly the same thing happened. You had people who showed up, like, on time, and then for, like, the next half hour, the place kept filling. So I felt like we were, like, cut out of the same vineyard mold. It was awesome. So there's on time, and then there's vineyard standard time. And then there's people who just show up at the very end just to say they were at church. So it's all good. <clears throat> say good morning to your neighbor. Oh, look at you guys are saying hi across the way, too. That's awesome. They've learned already. Yeah, it's learned. We're just going to do it always. Uh, say good morning to our Facebook people. Hi, Facebook people. Yeah, we're we're planning to get maybe a third camera, and we're going to have a camera that's going to be pointing to you so they could see you, and you can't see them, so that won't be awkward at all. No, it's good to have our online people. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a time, I know that we take advantage of it, especially, um, I know we've been on the road, and you can listen, or we listen to while we're on the road. Um and just if you're under the weather, um, we just have some people who just are friends of the church through our online. So that's awesome. So we're going to pray. We're going to start in our worship with music. And we are in expectation of the Holy Spirit coming and uh, doing a work, whether it's our hearts or our minds or uh, just not having us leave the same way that we came in today. So, Father, we thank you and we give you all the praise and the glory for um, just your continued love and faithfulness for us. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God that hears our cries that you're a God that knows us personally. And we thank you that the only expectation that's ever put on us is to um, just be with you, follow you, and, and be in relationship with you. And that's awesome. Because even in our deficiency, Lord, you're sufficient. So today, we just come in expectation. Lord, change hearts and open hearts and open eyes and ears. Whatever those cries of the week have been, just, um, just show each person here that you are, are beside and that you've walked through all of that with them and that you're here today. Be in our service, be in the message and our music, and in our fellowship and ministry time. In your name, amen. Amen. So whatever you feel like your position of worship, if you feel like standing, sitting, whatever, um, just mind your neighbor. Um, and yeah, let us uh, lift our voices.
not I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so.
So I was thinking about the lyric that says, if his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. To be so surrounded by the grace of God that it's literally inescapable is, um, I think, a beautiful picture for us this morning. Because I think there's some of us here who feel like we might be too far, too far away. We've done too many things. Um, But God said, my grace is inescapable, and it's so big, it's big enough for even you, whatever you feel like you've done that doesn't deserve the grace and the love of God. Um, So I pray that over anybody this morning who's feeling like maybe, maybe they're sinking, but not in grace, that God says, my grace is sufficient, and my grace is big enough for whatever you have or whatever you've done, and my love is big enough for whatever you have or whatever you've done. Um, So I just pray that over whoever might be feeling that this morning. Strong. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you make all things, God makes all things work together for my good. All things, he makes all things. Amen? Amen. Just everybody, take a second. Our, our AV and streaming team back there, give them a hand. They do a great job. church. We're so glad to see all of you here and that you call this your home. Our service is streaming today live on Facebook. Today, Pastor Brent Paulson is beginning our new series, uh, God Calling a Journey Through the Old Testament of Those Who Were Called by God. Today's message is called Moses, found in Exodus. Grab your Bible or cell to look at today's text. You can also find it written in your bulletin, along with a section for taking notes. 
Our Food Resource Center is open tomorrow, Monday, August 7th, for food assembly from 4.30 to 6. And then Tuesday, beginning at 11, we need volunteers to set up the pantry. At 3 p.m., volunteers are needed to help with our food distribution. And at 6 p.m., we need volunteers to help clean up. We just need volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, BCC membership class, God is calling each of us to a higher level of com commitment and responsibility. Is he calling you to a membership here? Attend this class next Sunday, August 13th, following the service, 11.30 to 1 p.m. in the fellowship hall. We are having baptisms here on Sunday, August 20th, immediately following the service. Contact Marvin Gray or one of the pastors if you have any interest and attend this baptism class on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. in our fellowship hall. Looking for a night out? Mark your calendars for Wednesday, August 16th from 3 to 9 p.m. at Texas Roadhouse. Wow. They are hosting a fundraiser for our vineyard outreaches or research, and we want to know what, what food you like at the Roadhouse. <laughs> Don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up out in the back, and this is why they only let me up once a week. Have a nice one. We have been experimenting on Janice for a long time. <laughs> Obviously, it's not going well. We're not sure what's, what's wrong. Did I? Oh, I'm knocking things over here. Um, so before I start today, we were many of the staff were at. We were at a. Did I knock? Oh, it's on you. Here, sorry, Kaylee. I'll have to buy you a new guitar. Um, okay. I've never had a lot of cable trouble today. Being attacked by cables. Um, we, some of us, the staff and uh, a few others, went to our national conference, our Vineyard National Conference, which was really good. It was down in North Carolina, yeah, outside of Asheville on Black Mountain. At a res uh, not a resort, it was a retreat center, kind of. And I wanted to show you just a clip from one of our, one of our sessions. It was uh, when Jay Pathak, who's our national director, is interviewing Rick Warren. And some of you know Rick Warren. He was the pastor of Saddleback Church out in California, one of the biggest churches in the country. And Rick... Um, is, I wouldn't say he's retired, he's in his second career right now. He's not pastoring that particular church right now, but he's in his second career. And he went through something amazingly traumatic about 10 years ago. His son um, had uh, clinical depression and struggled with clinical depression, and his son lost the battle to his depression and, and took his own life. And um, Rick is talking about this as he's talking about the call of God on our lives and how God can use anybody, even somebody who is struggling with a mental challenge or mental illness or 
clinical depression or whatever. And so this clip I thought was just really powerful and a, and a good picture of what the whole conference was about. So. Same time. Mm -hmm. So that means somehow I've got to figure out for my eight members or my 20 members to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world at the same time. One of the ways you can do it is the internet. Okay? Okay? You, you, everybody can get on the internet. Okay? Get on some chat rooms. Start sharing the gospel. My son, who later lost his battle with mental health, um, won many people to Christ on suicide sites. Wow. Yeah, many people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, when he died, I, I'm not exaggerating, Jay, I probably got 35,000 letters of condolences because it was on CNN and everything. I'm walking through a, uh, the airport and I see my son's name, Matthew Warren, in suicide on a ticker tape. It's gut-wrenching. It was the worst day of my life. And I'm, I'm still grieving, even ten years later, over that. Uh, but of all the letters that I got in grieving from Matthew, the ones that meant the most to me were not from presidents and rock stars, but were ones from people that had, Matthew had led to Christ in his brokenness. He was going to mental health sites and depression sites. He was going to to um, uh, um, suicide sites. And he said, you know, Dad, he said, I know I'm going to heaven. He was an evangelist. And, and I, the letters that meant the most to me were people who wrote me and said, I know your son was broken, struggled with mental health and deep depression, but he led me to Christ. And I'm going to be in heaven because of him. And I remember writing in my journal... Um, that day, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. And then I wrote, and we're all broken. If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. Yeah. God loves to use broken, messed up people who don't have it all together. Everything that's been done for the gospel and the good news for 2,000 years has been done by broken pastors, broken deacons, broken missionaries, broken church leaders, broken men and women, children. Because we're all broken. Broken. And do we believe in miracles? Of course we believe in miracles. But they're called miracles because they don't happen all the time. If they happened all the time, it wouldn't be called a miracle. Okay. So I don't know why some people get healed, some don't. I don't know. I remember asking John Wimber this one day. Yeah. And, and I asked him, and I, I asked him, I said, John, when you pray for people for healing, mm -hmm. what's the most important thing mm. that you want them to remember? Mm. And he looked at me and he just said, Rick, that they feel loved. Because love is healing. So, Pastor Rick, would you pray for us? As the vineyard. I, I would, my brother. We, we want to join in this I, mission. I oh, and um, if you want to hear more of that interview, you can go on Vineyard USA, uh, the Vineyard USA site, and just click around until you find it. And it's on there. Uh, and um, 
He does this amazing prayer too for us and with us as a community. Rick, Rick Warren is probably one of the people who um, just, just did amazing, cool things. He said one of the greatest sins that we have as people is that we don't have a big enough vision. He said that we think too small. And the reason that we think too small is because we look at ourselves and we go, okay, you know, what within my limited abilities am I able to do? Instead of saying, um, what is God calling me to do? Because God doesn't really care about our limited abilities. Have you realized that yet? That the way God accomplishes his purpose is that he always calls people, but then he says, I will be with you. Which means, you can be like Moses was, and we'll get to this in a minute, you can be somebody who really struggles with speech. Um, do you realize, some of you don't know this, from the time I was in, in kindergarten until I was in um, junior high, I was in speech class because I couldn't say my F's or my... I don't know what else I couldn't. I couldn't say my R's, I don't think. I don't know how I talked. I, I think I just went, something like that. But anyway, so I spent my whole elementary school years learning how to, how to speak. And then when God called me to speak, it was terrifying for me. It's still terrifying for me. You guys are terrifying. Do you know that? You're really scary. You are scary people. Um, so... But the fact is, I've realized that this isn't about me, it's about God. It's about God. He is so amazingly good. One of the first big events I spoke at was I was invited in the late 1980s by John Wimber to go to um, England. And he was doing some, some renewal things. And it was actually the early beginnings of the Alpha program. And we were actually at Nicky Gumbel's Holy Trinity, Brompton, and all that kind of stuff. And I was asked to speak at the youth event one night. And they had a lot of youth. I mean, they had hundreds of youth. And they did this wild worship. It was kind of like disco worship, which is really unique and weird, especially since I'm not a big disco guy. But anyway, it was cool. And then afterwards, they, they put me on a stool in the middle of this thing. And there's this big spotlight on me. And I literally had a panic attack. I, I get panic attacks once in a while. I have this panic attack. And I'm sitting there, and I just remember I, I said something like, Kingdom of God, Jesus, ask your neighbor if he or she knows Jesus, and then pray with them. Bye. <laughs> and I left. And that's all I did. And I was just so, I was like, oh my gosh. They're never going to ask me to do anything again. This is the last time I'm ever going to be able to do something like that. And, um, and afterwards, I had all, all these people from the team that I was with came and said, Brent, that was so amazing. There was like 50 or 40 or whatever, 60, I don't know, of, of the kids came to know Jesus last night. And I was like, wow. I really was good. You know, that was an amazing message. No, I wasn't. It was God. God used my disability and my panic attack, and he used all that to accomplish his purposes. Um, I'm not saying we... We need to live in those kind of things. I'm not saying we shouldn't be taking you know, medication or whatever, whatever we need to overcome our panic attacks. But I'm saying that God calls all kinds of people. And today I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the call of Moses. Because the call of Moses is really interesting. And it's, 
It's a paradigm in some ways for all of our, for God's call on all of our lives. Because you may be out there and you may be going, you know, I'm, I'm really a nobody. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a woman or I'm a man or I'm old or I'm young or I'm, you know, not a good speaker or I'm kind of clumsy or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sick a lot or I'm just weird. Uh, if you're weird, by the way, God can really use you. It's, a, it's one of the calling. I think it's. A, I think weirdness is a spiritual gift. I think that's true. Um, so we're going to look at uh, Exodus three this morning. And and let me pray first, Father. I I pray today. I f- I pray. I feel like you really want to call people. I feel like you want to encounter people. I feel like you want to speak to people today, Lord. There was a time in my life when you called me and you encountered me and you met me and you let me know what you wanted me to do. And and that doesn't change. We need that throughout our whole lives. And so wherever we're at in lives, Lord, show us what your purpose is for us. Amen. Now Moses was tending the flock of, his, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness in Kerem Teherab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. First mistake. Here I am. Don't Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Wherever God dwells, wherever God dwells, he makes holy. Then he said, I am the God of your father, of your father, Moses, and the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Vineyardites. Yes, indeed. He's giving an amount of land there. Now the cry of the Israelites had reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. But Moses said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I am who I am. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the... Do you, you see something interesting there? Moses is going, who am I? Where is he looking? Who am I? And God, God doesn't even answer that question. He goes, I will be with you. 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 And this will be a sign to you 
that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell them? Because up to this point, nobody really had a name for God. They just knew he was this God that, that appeared and that revealed himself. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or I am being itself. Or I am... I am, I am that I am. That is what you should say to the Israelites. Tell them I am or being itself has sent you. And so today I want to look at, um, the, I call this curiosity, theophany and our call. Theophany means a revelation of God, an encounter with God. A theophany is when God reveals himself. And, and there's a lot of theological terms that describe that. There's something called the numinous of God, which means the presence of God. When you feel that sense of God's presence, that's the numinous of God. A theophany is, is an actual revelation of God to his people. And I think that God has done that with and in too many of us. Many of us have had theophanies of God, maybe not of a burning and, and you know, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a misnomer to say the burning bush because guess what? The bush didn't burn. Right? The bush didn't burn. Well, the first part of any call begins with an encounter. Moses probably knew about God. Now, I want you to picture Moses here. There's some interesting things that have happened. Moses, if you read back in this passage a little bit, if you go back, you discover that Moses was born in Israel and he was one of those slaves. He was born one of those slaves. But at the time, Pharaoh was concerned that there were being born too many baby Israelites. And like many people do, he became afraid of all these foreigners in their midst. And so guess what he did? He started telling the the midwives to kill the babies. He, de- he, he decided to start a genocide. What do we do when we become afraid of foreigners in our midst? Well, we get rid of them or we kill them or we do whatever. And that's what Pharaoh started to do. Well, instead of ki- you know, killing Moses, his mother put him in a basket and, and floated him out in the river and said, God, please take care of my son. Well, as happenstance would happen, He's fished out by um, one of Moses' relatives who happens to work in the queen's or in the the court of the princess, and she pu- pulls out this baby and 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 the the I think it was the queen or the princess I can't remember which one of the two says, you know I want this to be my baby and this relative of Moses said, well do you want me to get a nursemaid you know a wet nurse for her and she goes yes and so she goes and gets Moses' mom. To come and isn't that I mean isn't that amazing? So Moses' mom gets to nurse her own son. So all this is going on, and Moses is growing up in in Pharaoh's household. He may even be have been being groomed to become the next Pharaoh. It's hard to say, but during that encounter, Moses sees the oppression of his people, 
And one day he decides to take action. He says, I can't deal with this anymore. I need to do something. And so he goes out and he does something. And he kills an Egyptian and he buries him under the sand. And later on, when he sees two uh, Israelites fighting, he you know, tries to break it up. And, and they say to him, what are you going to do? Kill us too like you did that Egyptian? Well, it becomes known to Pharaoh that that Moses had killed one of the Egyptians and Pharaoh begins coming after Moses. So Moses does what any good person does, you know, what any godly person does. He runs away. He runs away and he runs out into the wilderness. And while he's out in the wilderness, he comes upon it. Moses has this whole life of doing deliverance. You know, he just can't stand to see people in trouble. So what's the first thing that happens when he runs into the wilderness? He comes into the land of, of Midian and he sees these, um, these sisters or these, these girls coming, trying to get water from a well, and they're being harassed by these other um, um, people that are at these other people that are at the well. And so Moses chases off, you know, basically does battle kind of with these guys who are harassing these young women, and these young women go and tell their dad, "Hey, there was this guy at the well today, and he saved us from these." you know, from meanie nasties, you know, nasty meanies, I don't know, big meanies, whatever you want to call them. He saved us from them. And, and this man whose name is Jethro said, well, what happened to him? And they said, I don't know. We just left him there. <laughs> it's like, well, go get him and bring him in. Well, anyway, through that whole story, he ends up becoming, uh, Jethro gives him one of his daughters and he ends up marrying one of his daughters. And, Je- and Moses spends the next 40 years Taking care of Jethro, excuse me, ah, there, I'm better now. Taking, I'm sorry, I still have recovered from driving from North Carolina. So Moses spends the next 40 years taking care of sheep. And in the text when it describes this, when it says now, Moses was tending the flock of his father Joseph Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Harab. He's going around and he's trying to find fresh grass for this. And when it says he was tending the flock, it, it has a, in the Hebrew there's a, there's a tense in there where it says he was tending and tending and tending day after day after day and year after year after year. Do you ever do that? I remember when I was feeling like maybe I was called by God. It was probably 10 years until we ended up actually in a church. You know, I was ready. As soon as I became a Christian, I, I felt God's call. And I was like, I'm ready to go, God. I'm ready. Let's go. And God's like, I want you to go to school. I'm like, okay. So I was looking. I found these schools that were like six weeks long. And, you know, I tried to apply for them, and God's like, mm, eh. How about one that's one year long? Yeah. I ended up going to college, having a family. We bought a house. I ended up, you know, finishing college. And I'm like, okay, God, how about now? No. And then God, God pushed, pushed me into seminary. I didn't want to go to seminary. I didn't think I was smart enough, but I didn't want to go there either. And God's like, yeah, that's what I want you to do. So all this time, I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit. Can you imagine Moses? I, I think after 40 years, Moses is probably going, you know what? I am too old. This is, I'm too old. 
This, I'm, this is too long. And yet somehow God realizes that's exactly the right amount of time that Moses needed to become who he had to become before he began doing and fulfilling that part of God's call for his life. And he ends up having one of the most significant calls in the history of the Bible because he becomes the person that becomes the person that begins to form the whole nation of Israel. Next to Jesus, Moses is probably one of the most important people in the Bible. And so, 40 years. And one day, he just keeps pushing his sheep because they need new grass. And he's going along, and suddenly... He comes along this thing, and it probably wasn't unusual for him to see bushes on fire in the desert because, you know, it would get really hot, and I don't know. They pro- I don't know if they just burn. You know, I, don't, I, I haven't been there. I don't know. If any of you have been there and you know, you might know. But anyway, he sees this bush on fire, and, and you know, he could have just went, oh, there's a bush on fire, you know, whether that was common or not, I don't know. But what was uncommon is it wasn't being... You know, Moses, I, you know, I kind of picture Moses going, yeah, bush on fire. Bush is still on fire. Still on fire. Still, He didn't have a watch, but you know, still on fire. And so Moses, out of curiosity, goes over to see what it is. And the first part of any call begins with an encounter of God. And, and it says... There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from the bush. And Moses first saw the bush that was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see why this did not happen. And the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire. The angel of the Lord in the Bible, if you ever come across that term, it's used about three or four times. It usually means God. It usually means a way that God has entered into human history without completely destroying humanity. <laughs> you know, there, there's just a reality that, that for us to encounter the, the, the presence of God in our present forms somehow undoes us. When, when, when Isaiah encountered God, he says, Woe is me! For I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King. There's something about us as broken people that when we encounter the Holy, there's something that makes us suddenly realize how broken we are. When Peter encountered Jesus and began to realize who Jesus really was when Jesus told him to cast out his his net's a little bit further from the other side of the boat. And Peter does, and there's a great hall. He suddenly begins to see the glory of God on Jesus. And he's like, depart from me, Lord, for I am what? A sinful man. He begins to have this encounter. And you see, the first part of any call begins with an encounter with God. Not knowing about God, not believing in God, but having some kind of encounter with God. Some kind of something that makes that's more than just giving intellectual assent to God. For me, 
my encounters with God were almost, with God were almost humorous. I was I was in recovery. I was in a 12-step group, and I've shared this with you many times, but for the sake of some of you who haven't been there. And this was part of my encounter with God. It was like I was kind of seeking God. And one day I'm out on the balcony of my, um, me and my roommate, my sponsor, Doug. We shared an apartment in, in South Minneapolis. And I'm out on the balcony and I'm trying to figure out who this God is, who the, the higher power in my recovery is. And so I'm looking up at the sky and I'm literally going, who are you? I don't know who you are. You know, there's a lot of people who think you're this and they think you're that. And I don't know who you are. And so I'm, I literally asked this guy who, who you are. And I look down, and there's a pamphlet, and I can see, back then I had better eyes than I do now, and I can see, and it says, who am I? And so I go down, I walk down, I pick up this thing, and I open it up, and it says, I am Jesus. Now, that isn't the burning bush, but it's kind of a burning bush. I mean, how does that happen? I don't know. Did it blow in from somewhere else? I don't know. Did God just like... I don't know how it got there. And how did it happen to get there at just that time? You know, how does that happen? But I, even I, even as kind of stubborn as I was, even I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But you know what? Even then, I didn't really encounter God fully. It wasn't until I was driving out west with with um, three other friends from recovery, and one of them finds somehow another one of these little brochure things in my car. I don't know where these things were coming from. They were all over the place. And it was the Ten Commandments of Jesus by Robert Schuller. And she starts reading these things, and she gets to number five, and suddenly that was my encounter with God. Suddenly, everything that everybody had been telling me for the past few years and from my childhood and everything came together and I was like, whoa, whoa. And I had an encounter with God to the point of where I was driving through, I was taking these three other people from my recovery group, three other women actually, I wasn't involved with any of them but we were just camping, they wanted to go camping, I took them camping. And so we're driving through these mountains, the mountains of, you know, Glacier Mountains and, and the, the um, Yellowstone Mountains and stuff like that. We're driving through them. And I am so just kind of like, whoa. My, I mean, everything. I'm, is, I'm, I had a, just a major encounter with God. And that thing lasted for about three months where I just felt the presence of God really deep to the point where I'm driving through these mountain roads and, and I feel like I'm supposed to be praying the whole time so I'm closing my eyes and, and my, my passengers are going, please open your eyes, open your eyes. And they go, well, I don't know, I'm encountering God. And they go, well, don't encounter, we don't want to encounter God yet. So please keep your eyes open. But the, the first thing, now I'm not saying, now everybody's encounter isn't like that, but I do believe that we all in one way, shape, or form encounter God. And Moses encounters him as this burning, this burning bush that is not consumed because God is a fire. He's a fire that has no source. He is the source. He doesn't consume that which he chooses to rest upon. He chooses to rest upon all of us like burning bushes, and yet we are not consumed. 
And he speaks out of the fire to Moses. And it tells us something about God. It tells us, first of all, that, that encountering God... Have you ever encountered fire? Do you realize that fire is something that you encounter on a whole bunch of levels? You feel it. You hear it. You see it. And it can, dis- it can burn you. Or it can warm you. It can destroy you. Or it can give you light. Secondly, God responds to our response. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, because Moses could have just kept going, right? If he would have been like most of us today, we'd have our, you know, our earbuds in or whatever, and we'd just be, keep walking, you know, or we'd be playing our video games, and like Burning Bush. But wait, I can get up to 10,000 points. Right? You know, what if, what if Moses just, you know, was like, you know what, Bernie Bush sheep, I, I got to take care of the sheep. The sheep are out, I need to go do the sheep thing. Goes and dubs the sheep thing. I mean, we may have, the, the whole Bible might be different. It might be Bob from Bethesda that, that delivers the Israelites from Egypt, you know. Bob from Bethesda, who saved the Israelites. But no, it's not. It's Moses. When the Lord saw he had gone over, he called him Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And God chooses to meet Moses in, in a normal everyday place. And when God shows up in normal everyday places, it becomes holy. God encounters people in, and he encounters normal people. In fact, he encounters a shepherd in the middle of the desert. And there's another time when God encounters some shepherds out in the flocks, taking care of their flocks at night. And he speaks to them. And God encounters us. Just become aware in your everyday activity that Everything you do can be an opportunity for God to encounter you. Try and be sensitive to what God is saying. I shared a couple of weeks ago how, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for, some of you are new are going, what kind of pastor is this? Anyway, I was looking for a cigar shop, and I'm looking for the cigar shop in Minnesota, and it happens to be at the back of this, they have like marijuana, legalized marijuana, it's at the back of this place, they have a humidor, so I'm walking through this place, and as I'm walking out, I feel like God says, I want you to go pray for the young man. Because when I went in, I could tell he was really high. I want you to pray for him. And I went back in, and I talked to him, and I prayed for him. And guess what that head shop suddenly became? A holy place. Why? Because God was there. Then he said, you know who I am, Moses? I am the God of your father. I remember one time my mom, when I was really rebellious and I was rebelling against God, and I said, you have your God and I have my God to my mom. And I was just really, I was being rebellious and I was trying to hurt her. 
And it really did hurt her because she thought, you know, and, and to be honest, I really didn't have a God. I was just like making it up. I'm thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't ask me who my God is because I ain't got one. But you know what? Her God became my God. And, and, and the angel said, or God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. There's a lineage of me interacting with your forebearers. And I am the same God. Do you realize that same God is here today? That same God who spoke to Moses. The same God who spoke to Abraham. And, and by the way, Jesus uses this passage too to describe uh, when, when the Pharisees are talking about the resurrection have this whole debate. Jesus goes, don't you know he's the God of the living and not of the dead? He doesn't say that I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I am the God. They're right here with me right now. I am the God of your mother, Brent. She's with me right now. She wants you to tell me what? Okay. At this point, Moses hid his face because he was afraid. God responds to the cries of his people. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery. Now, isn't it interesting here that Moses is out in the desert. It's been 40 years. And the people are crying out to God. And God's timing, Tim Keller puts it like this. He said, God's timing is always beautiful and perfect. And in our perspective, what? Late. Forty years. But the Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying. And because of their slave drivers, I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. I have come down. God, God doesn't sit up and just sit and watch our suffering. He comes right into the middle of it. He comes right into the middle of our pain. I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Not only to rescue them out of their bondage and their slavery and our bondage and our slavery to, to drugs, to sexual stuff, to financial difficulties, to relational difficulties, to sickness. I've not only come to rescue you out of that, I've come to bring you into something into a much more fulfilled, blessed land flowing with milk and honey. It's spacious. You're concerned. I came down. Moses is like, yes, God, go, God. But Moses doesn't realize something, that our encounters with God and biblically, it's a cross. I was trying to think of anyone in the Bible who does not and is not encountered by God who is also not called. Our response to encountering God is almost always a call by God. And so Moses is cheering Yes, God is coming down. He's going to deliver his people. And he says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And the air all goes out of the balloon, and Moses is like, Whoa, 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 whoa. 
I thought you were going to deliver your people. And God's like, I am. So you go. And Moses is like, whoa, wait. You, I am not you. I'm not you. This is your issue. And God goes, no, it's not. It's our issue. It's our issue. Do you realize when we see all the oppression and all the struggles and all the hate and the war and the people in Ukraine and the, the, the kids that are starving and the, the brokenness of our society and the, the people wrestling with, with gender identities and with everything else that's going on in our world today, that it is not just God's problem. It's also ours. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Our conversion, our encounter with God comes with a call. Soon after I became a Christian, I felt God's call. It wasn't until ten, ten years later that I ended up, or Teresa and I ended up, we, we got God's call. It wasn't just me, it was her. I told, in fact, I told her when we were dating, I said, I feel like God's calling me into ministry. So, And thankfully, God gave me a wife who was also, who just shared my, you know what's most important in a relationship, almost, almost above everything, is to have somebody who shares your passion and vision for God. And it's interesting. Moses asks the question, who am I? What do we always look at? Us. And our inability. Moses had a speech impediment. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And there's a great song by one of my favorite groups, The Lost Dogs. And it, 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 it's a great song. And it, its words repeat over and over again. You know, just like Moses in the desert, God was calling him. And he asked the question, who am I? And God's response is, I am that I am. God's response always to us is, I am that I am and I will be with you. What does God say when he gives us a great commission? Go make disciples. All authorities in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, you go make disciples in Samaria and Judea and to the remotest parts of the earth. How? I will go with you. I will never depart from you. I. We are going to work with the singular, only most powerful being in the, un- in the universe, the being of all beings, the beginning of being, that which creates being, that which made the whole universe, is calling me and you to, to do something. And nothing is too great for him. And he can use whoever he wants. There's a point when Moses is doing all this arguing with God that he no longer is dissing himself, but he's starting to diss God. Why? Because he's starting to to say that, God, you're not big enough to use somebody as broken as I am. 
as sinful as I am. You're not big enough. And God's going, really? I think, I think there's a guy named Job that got into this whole dialogue with God once. And God brought him up to the waterfalls and to the beginnings of creation and said, where were you when I did all this? Moses' question is, who, who am I? God's response is, look who is with you. See, the one who calls us is the great I am. I am that I am. And let me just end with this. Is God, is God speaking to some of you today? Some of you, I think, had a call, have had a call. And some of you have said, ah, that was just pizza. Some of you have forgotten about it. Some of you have discounted yourself. Well, God, I'm just too screwed up. Look at me. God used me. A broken down, drug-addicted, alcoholic, drug dealer. That's who God chose to come to Wycliffe. I mean, obviously he got me straightened out before I came. Have you encountered God? What, is, what is, has and is God calling you to do? What's your excuse? And then who is with you? I had the privilege yesterday of going and visiting one of our oldest members. Wilmer Bishop fell and broke her hip. And I was up at the hospital with her, just praying with her. And you know, 30, we came here in 1987. So how many years is that? 37 years? I don't know. Is anybody good at math? 36 years. 36 years ago, there were some people sitting here that were crying out to God and saying, God, we need you to send us somebody. We need a leader. We need somebody to help us. We're in trouble. We, and, and God looked across all of America and looked at this little seminary in, in Minnesota and he saw this young couple who just looked young enough and dumb enough to travel to Wycliffe, Ohio. And he sent us here. And this has become our call. And when I first came here, God gave me this weird vision of, this, of me standing at this place that was kind of a stage with that, you know, speakers and everything and and it looked kind of like a gymnasium, but not exactly. And for almost 36 years or 35 years, I wondered what that was. And I thought, God, what is this? What is this that you keep showing me? And every, we, over the years, we've looked for different spaces to meet. And every year I'm looking like, is this it? Is this it? Last year, we, we now have about six and a half going on seven churches in the Cleveland area, vineyard churches, that have been a direct result to a certain extent of 
this community and of this community pouring itself into other communities and God building up those other communities. And in any way, we had our first all vineyard conference. And I'm sitting there getting ready to introduce the conference. And suddenly I realized that's the place that God showed me 37, 36 years ago. And I'm going, oh my gosh, Lord. You knew back then that I was going to be here worshiping you 36 years later. And you gave me an image of that to confirm that, that I was at my calling. Guess what God gave us an image of his confirmation? He said, Moses, you're going to, come, you're going to take all those people, they're going to come out of Egypt, and you're going to be back at this mountain, and you're going to have a hoedown. I didn't even say it like that. Guess what happened? That's what happened. Father, just come. Fulfill your purpose for all of us. If, nobody, if somebody here hasn't encountered you, may they encounter you. If somebody here has given up on you, and may we as a church too not have our eyes set too shallow or too small on what you're calling us to. Lord, and, and if we're getting older, help us not to think that, oh, and this is a word for a bunch of you, for Jim and Denise, and a bunch of you, you think, well, I, I'm getting kind of older to do something new, and God's going, eh, nah, Moses was 80. He had a ways to go. So God wants to take away doubt from you right now about his ability to use you at whatever age you're at. He wants to take away doubt about those of you who struggle with mental illnesses. He wants to take away doubt about those of you who feel inadequate. He wants to take away doubt about women here who feel like, well, I'm a woman. And God goes, yeah, and? He wants to take away doubt from you, Rich Wood, about what he's called you to. And Scott and Lori and all of you. And I pray this now in Jesus' name that you would confirm, direct, bless all of our callings. And may any of you who have not encountered God, I invite you to come and just get prayer for that. That you too might encounter this living God, this fire that um, so many of us have encountered. Amen.